0: When we're in difficulty, when we're in trouble, when, when the world comes crashing down on us and God does some incredible thing, it's easier to feel the power of God. But can we feel that power all the time? That's what I want to know. Do we have the power to feel it all the time, to recognize the relentless love of God. Yeshua tells the tale of a young boy who decides to take his father's inheritance and squander it away. And he runs off and he, he does this debauched life. And he recognizes after it's all over and done that boy, he was better off being a slave of his father than the fool that he had been. And seeking hope and at least some kind of life returns to the father. As we all know the story of the prodigal son, the father is waiting to receive him. Another demonstration of the power of God's love. That when we need him the most, not only when we need him the most, but when we, recognizing that we have him all of the time can lift our lives to a new level of existence. Why do we need to wait for the trouble, I wonder, before we feel the power of God? I'm going to hope this works, yeah? So I want to share some things with you. Excuse me. I want that. So let me, how about some help from up there? First slide. Heck with that. The first one. Eh, You're not going to help me, are you? (laughs) We really do need to get a booster on this thing. You don't like me. I'm through with the slides. I'm done. I'm over. Heck with those things. Oh boy. Okay. You know, it begins with our choice to serve, our choice to recognize Messiah Yeshua for who he truly is. You know, there's this moment in Mark chapter 8. You can read it there on the screen. It says, Yeshua went out along with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he questioned his disciples, saying to them, who do people say that I am? You see, we have to know who we think Yeshua is. And I don't think we know half the time. You know, he's, uh, is he God? He's the son of God? Is he, you know, uh, a knight in shining armor? Is he uh, a magician? Is he What is he? Is he someone we call upon in distress in our lives? Or is he our constant companion? Is he the one who is with us all the time? Do we know him in this intimate way? This is the question that I think we, Yeshua was driving at when he spoke to his disciples. You know, here I have, I've been with you for however long, take your guess, if three years, two years, one year, whoever knows. For however long, that, that, that who am I to you? Have you ever asked that question of someone you love? You know, you get in one of those moments, intimate moments with somebody, and you say, who who am I to you? You know, I've been married for 42 years. Who am I to my wife, I wonder? I don't know, I suppose over those 42 years it's changed, you know? But isn't, it's it's a, it's a it's an interesting question. Who am I to you? I might be able to say that to all of you. Who am I to you? Sometimes I wonder if I'm not, you know, you know, a cur, a dog you kick around. Or, but then again, there are plenty of times when I get nice things said about me. So I mean, yeah. So sometimes I'm a, I'm a good guy, and sometimes I'm not so good. Believe me, that has happened. I've been called. Uh, a king and Satan in the same month by the same people, so you never know. But who is Messiah Yeshua to us? Is he that one who is constantly with us? Not just in the difficult times. Not just in the times when we feel need. When we feel courageous about it. When we're ready to talk about it. When we uh, or when we feel we need what we need. We always want God our own way, you know. Yeshua, he needs to be what I need him to be. Have you ever, heard, have you ever felt that way? He needs to be what I want him to be. Not what he is, not who he is. You remember Peter's words here at this point. You know, Yeshua, after he declares Yeshua to be the son of God, Yeshua says, well, now the son of man must go to Jerusalem and suffer at the hands of evil men and be crucified, you know. And Peter immediately says, no, no, that's not going to happen. And Yeshua's words to him are very harsh. Get behind me, Satan. I am not who you want me to be. I am who I am. Can you accept that? Can you follow me, even though I am not what you want me to be? Or John's followers, who, after John was imprisoned, come to Yeshua and they say, Listen, Yeshua, uh, are you the one? John sent this to you because he's a little worried because, like, he's in prison and, you know, might get his head cut off. Are you the one that's uh, supposed to be? Are coming or is there somebody else we're supposed to look for because I'd like to get out of jail and Yeshua said you go back and you tell John what's happening that the blind are seeing the lame walk and the good news is being preached blessed is he who doesn't stumble over what he wants me to be but rather who I am can we receive Messiah Yeshua that way You see, the children of Israel had to learn that God was God. When they learned that lesson, then the Shekinah can come and indwell the people of Israel. Same for us. If we want Messiah Yeshua, we have to receive him for who he is, not what we want him to be. It's not about a smooch, you know, session with Yeshua in the corner somewhere. It's about recognizing the Son of God and not only when it's convenient. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, some of you may know who he was. He was a, a Lutheran priest. A pri- what do they call them in that? A priest, pastor, whatever, pastor. And he was one of those who resisted the Nazis during the during World War II. Ultimately, he was arrested and eventually was killed by the Nazis. Matter of fact, just before the war ended, ironically. And he said this. He said, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. He could have sat there and just collaborated with the Nazis. It had been all right for him and for his folk. But he had to do what was right in the face of all that wrong. It was inconvenient, but he had to follow the Messiah issue. Today we have to follow the Messiah Yeshua wherever he leads us. And even if it means costing us something, can we do that? It's a choice to serve the Messiah. It's a choice to serve him, not ourselves by what we make him into. I know it's hard, and just as Bonhoeffer chose not to deny Yeshua, we remember the incident of Peter and Yeshua. Yeshua is arrested, and Peter goes off to see what's going to happen. But he stands at a distance. We're told that three times people said accused him, and said, said, you, you were with that guy. And ultimately, Peter denies him. It says, and Peter remembered how Yeshua had made the remark to him before the rooster crows, twice you'll deny me three times. And he began to weep. Sometimes we determine that the cost of discipleship is too high. Have you ever done that? You see, I think the children of Israel in the desert must have decided that the that the choice, uh, that the decision to be, have been chosen was more than they wanted to bear. Moses went up on the mountain. He de- the scripture says he delayed up on the mountain. In other words, he and God had a little bit more to talk about than what those folks planned on. And in that short delay, they decided it was too much. We don't know about this Moses. We don't know what's happened to him. Let's make gods for ourselves and let's go back to Egypt. And it's so easy, it's so easy to go back to Egypt, back to whatever life was before, because it's comfortable and it's easy. And why shouldn't we? After all, God isn't doing exactly what I want him to do, when I want him to do it, what do I need him for? I can do that myself, we think. Doesn't work that easily. We have to recognize that we serve him. So what? So failure and betrayal, frustration, is it all worth it? Was it worth it to Peter in the end? It says he wept bitterly. I can't, I can't, no, I can't imagine how he felt at that moment crushed and defeated after all those years with the the Messiah, this man, who was not only the Son of God to him, but was his friend, his companion. And yet when we decide that we cannot serve Hashem, we cannot serve the Lord, is that not the same kind of betrayal? And what do we say? We, we rationalize it all the way. We all have our reasons why we can't. Just as Peter said, I don't know the guy. I'm not even, I wasn't with him. I have my excuse. Until we're faced by, with the face in the mirror. We have to look at ourselves. And then it all comes rushing back. What will happen to us? What happens to us in that moment? You know, Peter, the children of Israel, you and me, we deserve abandonment. God could have left the children of Israel in the desert. You want to fend for yourself? Go ahead. Peter, you don't want to be with me. You can't take it you can leave too but that is not the God we heard of at the mountain the Lord the Lord God compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth no God is a God of restoration a God of hope and one who knows our weakness But can we recognize our weakness, too? So that we can be greater than we ever thought we could be. If we know the love of God, we can. And so God's choice is restoration. We're told of a story. I love it. It's one of the greatest. just blows my mind every time I read it in the Gospel of John, 20th chapter. And... It says that after Yeshua, uh, after the death of Yeshua, the guys went fishing. The boys went out fishing. They cast their nets, and all night they can't find anything, whatever. When all of a sudden, a guy shows up on the beach. He's right offshore in Galilee. And he makes a little bit of a fire, and he grabs a fish, And he starts cooking it. The boys look out out the boat and they see across the water this guy cooking fish. And one of them says, you know what? I think that's the Lord. I think that's the Messiah. Peter doesn't even wait. He jumps right into the water. Peter jumps into the water and rushes over there. Now, maybe, I don't know what he was expecting. But he gets ashore, and, Peter, and Yeshua says, Come on, let's have some breakfast. Let's have breakfast. It says in John 21, it says, So when they had finished breakfast, Yeshua said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Not, you know, Simon, you screwed up. I thought you were tougher than that. You're a punk. Get away from me. Let me get one of the other ones. Maybe, maybe Matthew. Maybe Bartholomew. Maybe one of those guys. Not you. No. Yeshua says, do you love me, man? Then feed my sheep. You know, this is our work. To feed the sheep of God. Despite our failures, despite the fact that we are weak, what we need to know is that Messiah is always with us, and we have the strength to do greater things than we ever thought we could. We're not just schlips. We are people of God. And the power is in us, despite what may be lacking in our flesh. You know, another uh, hero of mine, I forgot to show you that, but there it is. Let me get to the next one. Is this guy. I don't know how many of you know him. This is a man named Jim Elliott. And Jim Elliott was a missionary. And I forget the tribes he went to somewhere in South America, Ecuador, I think it was at the time. And there, as a young man, he was he was murdered by natives in his work as a missionary among them. He's credited with saying some really wonderful things like, uh, one is no fool who does not, uh, what is it? Doesn't uh, doesn't strive for what he cannot keep to, to to lose what he cannot lose or something. like that. I'm sorry, I forget the quote. I'm not smarter. I'm getting older, my brain doesn't work as well. But he said this, he also said this, about all of us imperfect vessels that can be used by God. He said, it makes me boil when I think of the power we profess and the utter impotency of our action. Believers who know one-tenth as much as we do are doing 100 times more for God with his blessing and our criticism. Oh, if I could write it, preach it, say it, paint it, anything at all, if only God's power would become known among us. Jim Elliot knows that this is about doing. It's not about being something great because the power is already in us through Messiah Yeshua to be great, to do great things, to heal, to make whole, to restore people, to bring hope To bring change in the world in which we live. Instead of whining and complaining about the fact that the world has to change, we need to change it. You see? And every one of us has the power to do it. Call somebody this week. Encourage them. Pray with somebody this week. Make something happen. Because God has already given us the power just as he gave the children of Israel the power in the desert to be great. When we do that, then the presence of God truly dwells in us. Let's do that. One last slide for you. It tells us in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if any man is in Messiah, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come so let's be reconciled to god let's recognize him for who he is so that he might be all that we need every single day let's all say amen lord our god we we bless you and we praise you for you are our god and you dwell with us as you did in the mishkan of old you dwell now in the hearts of all of your people. In the letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2, the apostle reminds us that we are now being built together into the dwelling place of God in the Spirit. How Holy One, way we recognize that power every single day, even in the most mundane of things, in the ordinary of life. So that we might have, we might transform the ordinary into the holy wherever we are.